0: You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion of important topics that affect both HR and learning and development professionals. Biz Library is dedicated to creating the best and most complete online learning solution that both engages employees and drives business results. For more resources like this podcast, be sure to head over to our website where you'll find up to date ebooks, infographics, and other resources as well as SHRM and HRCI-approved webinars focused on creating better workplaces through great human resource practices and employee development. Hello and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith.
1: And I'm Hannah Brenner. Today we're joined by Susan Daniel to talk about creating a culture starting with onboarding.
0: First of all, Susan, before we get started, we just want to thank you for taking time out of your day. We know how busy it gets, so thank you for joining us.
1: Well, you're
2: very welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite topics.
0: And we're equally excited to uh, learn from you today. Just so our listeners get a better idea of who we have the pleasure of talking with today, Susan is a Disney-trained talent development professional specializing in leadership development, organizational development, experiential learning, and performance coaching. Susan's professional experience includes various leadership roles in human resource development with companies such as Exeter Finance, Lennox International, GM Financial, AmeriCredit, and Walt Disney World. Susan enables strategic communications and intentional collaboration. Pardon me, <clears throat> an intentional collaboration among business leaders to ensure the identification and implementation of talent development initiatives that clearly impact organizational effectiveness while building rapport and credibility with diverse groups across business functions. Uh, we're here today to talk about, as you said, one of your favorite topics, which is creating a culture starting at onboarding. Um, does culture truly start at onboarding? And wh- where do we actually start with this topic? How do we begin to unpack something like this?
2: That's a great question. Well, so I think that culture is something that exists within an organization, whether you call it that or not, meaning that it essentially boils down to, you've heard these terms before. That's the way we do it around here. You know, that's this, the way we do it here. And so people may have what we have, has been fondly referred to as a culture by design, or a culture by default. It's just simply those behaviors, the beliefs, the, those shared uh, things that just happen between people and departments and within organizations. You know, your family has a culture. Your team has a culture. So organizations by nature have a culture. So we just acknowledge that it exists. And we look at how to use onboarding as a way to introduce the new ones coming in, the new hires, to the culture and have a more strategic approach to creating the culture we want to have instead of letting it run amok and just be the culture that we have by default.
1: Perfect. So when we think about how to start introducing that at onboarding, You know, onboarding is an overwhelming time for a new employee. They're learning their job. They're learning the company. They're learning, you know, new systems. And then you throw in, you know, and let's get you acclimated to this culture. How do you do it all without overwhelming people?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So when uh, we looked at our onboarding process, we knew uh, that we had a good – we, 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 we had an okay way of introducing new hires to the company, uh, a typical new hire orientation program that you would see in most organizations, but we didn't really have an introduction to what I would call your onboarding experience. You know, we wanted to know how people, you know, how do we, um, get them to feel like they've made the right decision. You know that you don't have buyer's remorse. You know that you've joined the company, and you know we know from turnover statistics that most people make a decision um, within their first forty-five days. You know whether they made a good or bad decision in joining this company or taking this, uh, you know, risk or uh, this career, career choice. So uh, what can we do to leverage that period of time where we can solidify it and not just provide the basics like, okay, we need your, you know, I-9 completed and your driver's license and here's your desk. And, you know, but how do we immerse them into that experience that says who we are? Um, I had... Uh, an executive say to me one time, because Exeter, at, our, at Exeter Finance, um, our corporate colors are green. And uh, he said, I just want them to drink the green Kool-Aid. So how are we going to get them so passionate and excited about Exeter that, uh, you know, it starts day one? So that's where uh, looking at our new hire orientation and introducing culture we, need, we knew it needed to begin with their experience on day one. So we redesigned and created an experience where culture was just part of uh, our thinking when we redesigned new hire orientation. However, let's step back. How do we know what to put into new hire orientation to describe what the culture is that we're trying to create? Well, we had the opportunity, we had uh, almost a complete turnover two years ago, almost three years ago, of executive leadership at Exeter. And it was the perfect opportunity to sit down with the CEO and executive team members and say, so what is it that is going to make Exeter successful, not only today, but in the future? What are the skills, the competencies, the values? And we got to redo the basics of, you know, what's our vision? You know, where, what direction are we headed in? You know, what, what's our mission and how are we going to get there? And what are our core values? So once we had that from the executive team, it was easy to take those vision, the vision, values, mission, if you will, and start to identify behaviors that would be associated with that. So we started to give it a name we talked about Exeter's culture of excellence Um, and our core values really circulated after having interviews at the executive level uh, VP director even all the way down to individual contributor level we did focus groups the themes and patterns that emerged is that we are really um, centered around people performance and service. So those became our core values. And so it just was um, an exciting opportunity to basically work with people across the organization to say, okay, so um, this is a new opportunity for Exeter with a new leadership team. What do you want the company to look like? How are we going to get there? And what are the behaviors and competencies and skills that we can introduce um, in our leader, in our training and in our leadership programs, to reinforce that. So that's how it really got started.
1: Yeah, and I was lucky enough that I got to work with you throughout this entire process, um, as all these changes were happening, and I was so excited because. This is the right way to go about doing it. You don't just wake up one day and decide we need to revamp our onboarding program and start creating something without getting that buy-in and input. But for all of our listeners out there who are thinking, man, this sounds really time consuming. I don't I don't have time for this. What's this going to entail? Talk us through, you know, realistically to do this the right way what kind of time frame are you looking at? Uh, that's a
2: very good point because uh, the answer, the short answer is you need to be comfortable with this is an evolution and not a, an instant um, response. If it were something that you could create instantaneously, like this, you know, just, just simply redesigning your new higher orientation program, then it could potentially feel like Flavor of the Month. Or, well, that's what we focused on in 2016 or 2018, but now it's 2019, what are we gonna focus on? If you have created the framework and you have buy-in and the leaders are are the ones that have created the, uh, the vision, the values, and you can help them to keep reinforcing that, then that's always there as your foundation So your business objectives change, your uh, talent changes, everything changes, but you have this foundation that you can keep going back to that's not going to change. And even if it does at some point in the future, it's going to be more like, let's call, let's call a timeout and say, are these still our core values? Are these still the right behaviors? You know, now our company is twice as large as it was when we, you know created these uh, values of this vision so it's maybe revisiting it but it's really being comfortable with something that has to get integrated into everything that you do that has to do with your people plan and what I mean by that is it's really the integrated human resource model so if it if you, it, in, it integrates into training and development as part of onboarding, but also as part of you know, ongoing training and development. It integrates into the selection process of hiring and those competencies that you're looking for. It integrates into performance management and performance reviews. Um, that was a big win for us in getting this in, integrated into the culture. Once our core competencies were uh, solidified and they were tied back to our culture of excellence. Every employee in the company gets an evaluation quarterly, and 50% of their performance rating is how well they're demonstrating these core competencies. So it's not just a plaque on the wall or something they hear in new hire orientation. Every quarter, we're, we're looking at your people excellence competencies. For Exeter, we've defined that as effective communication and collaborative impact. So we actually have behaviors, um, ways of evaluating and recognizing and rewarding people that are contributing to our culture of excellence. So I guess the answer is it's it is an ongoing initiative. So if you're looking for a project, that you can just check off as done this is not that kind of a work this is this is organizational effectiveness and development that's ongoing and it's always there it's the question is how can we make it better
0: um what other sort of symbolic elements do you use um when you're doing this i know you mentioned you integrated it into some of your performance reviews um, interview and, and selection style are there any other ways that you sort of integrated your cultural values and your identity as a company into an employee's overall experience with exeter
2: yes um so when the new employees come in we started with what i just shared with you this uh or redesign of our new hire orientation to include the excel your career. You know, you're here at Exeter, we want you to hopefully uh, feel that you've made a good decision and by the way, here's an introduction to our culture as well as our business model. We have a lot of people that may not come from financial services or have an auto finance background, so we do a little bit about the uh, business model and some about just the organization structure. And then they get their basics. However, the big difference at Exeter is that if you want the culture to be sustainable, you really need to have your leaders on board. So the big initiative for us was how to expand, expand new hire orientation to become leader orientation. So that's really the curriculum that I've been focused on designing and have um, had in, you know, I've been able to see some really positive outcomes from in terms of impact. So all leaders, managers and above, all the way up to our senior vice presidents are now required to go to additional development around that's centered into these same uh, values, topics and competencies. So our first is the people management series. So if you're a manager with direct reports Let's say you've just come from, I don't know, another organization, I don't, Nissan, Toyota, GM Financial, Citibank, whatever, and you've had, uh, you sort of know the business, but you don't know our systems, you don't know how we do performance reviews, how we do hiring, how we do training. So our people management series is introducing our uh, people managers to all of those responsibilities that you have as a manager but how it may you might know the basics um but you may not know how we do it here so that ties back to culture right because we said that's the way we do it here so they might be using a different hris system here uh than they did in their previous organization or you know a different performance management process so it's really tying it into the leaders everyday roles and responsibilities as a people manager So that's track one. That's our people management series, and it's a blended learning approach. So there's e-learning. There's biz library courses we've integrated into that. There's instructor-led roundtables. There's a series of uh, experiences. It's not just classroom. And once they've completed those modules, which the intent is to do that within their first 60 to 90 days, then we shift focus and we look at how excuse me, how they can be developed as leaders. So then the next part of the curriculum we call our leadership excellence series. And the leadership excellence series, it goes back to again, people performance and service. How are you as a people leader? Uh, And those are the three modules, people leadership, performance leadership and service leadership. And the more we keep uh, reinforcing the language and the more we keep saying those things the more like, oh, that's culture of excellence. I get it. That's, that's our culture. And then uh, a new series, which I'm very excited to launch, that's coming out in Q1 of this year, is we've recognized that there are business-specific roles and re- things that leaders need to know simply because you're a leader at Exeter. And again, let's say you came from another industry, manufacturing or retail or hospitality and you don't understand um, some of the requirements of our business and financial services, even like some of the regulatory requirements. So now we're introducing our business leadership series, and our first module rolls out in March, and it's going to be on risk management. So that's a big part of our culture. Uh, we have lots of regulations in financial services that you know. Uh, we have to comply with. So, actually, this afternoon, I'm having a roundtable with our chief risk officer, and she's going to be talking with people who signed up for the roundtable, um, just about her roles and responsibilities. And right, this is such an important initiative. And then we are also incorporating that into our required leadership training as part of the onboarding process. So. Um, That's why it can always be new, but it also has to be um, created in a way that it's the same with new elements. So the the framework is there for us to add something like the business leadership series because the curriculum is, is the framework. And we can just keep adding to it without having it to be something like, well, that doesn't work anymore. Um, That was the way we used to do it.
1: Yeah, so I know you started this with onboarding and continue to expand and grow the programs. I'm interested to know since switching, not switching, but since having this discussion with leaders deciding on the mission, vision, core values, What's the impact you've seen? How have you seen the day-to-day life at Exeter change since undertaking this?
2: Well, I think that the biggest difference that I see is that it's alive everywhere. One of the biggest uh, things is when the language and the common terminology starts to reinforce the culture. So when, when you see people naming something like oh that's really that's great that really represents our you know people excellence you know for example or that's even as our uh, chief risk officer talks about creating a, uh, a risk culture you know where we're really aware and cognizant of all of the risks that we face and compliance issues she's able to articulate how that supports our culture of excellence so what I've So that's probably one of the number one things um, that I notice is that people are talking about it. Uh, Departments are starting to create peer recognition rewards and things where uh, they they recognize each other for, um, uh, as a matter of fact, our department has just introduced a quarterly award where anybody in talent development can nominate somebody for uh, a team excellence award that either ties back, you know, to people performance or service or leadership. So I guess the, the short answer is when I see it, that it's alive and people are talking about it, using it as a baseline for things that they're working on. Leaders are talking about it in meetings and, um, And I recently had a conversation with our CEO uh, and I was mentioning to him that uh, his welcome video is maybe it's time for us to reshoot. So we have him uh, a video that we show at, uh, at our new hire orientation. And so he was very excited about the opportunity. And he's going to uh, do that. He's, he's planning to, we actually did the video shoot. We're gonna be implementing sort of a um, a fresher, you know, just keep it current, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the organization never stands still. So how do you keep the culture in sync with and in alignment with the direction the organization is going? So I guess that's the biggest thing that I see is that it feels to me like it's it's alive everywhere you look. Again, whether it's recognition, performance management, new hire orientation, or our executives talking about it at their town halls.
0: Unfortunately, we are getting a little close on time. Um, before I let you go, though, I'm, I'm really curious to know, as you're doing this, what were some of the challenges that came up that maybe you weren't able to anticipate or were unexpected um, what were some of those that maybe future people thinking about doing this can uh, try to avoid or anticipate
2: well I think the biggest challenge was being able to take such a big initiative and figure out how to introduce it to the organization as a onboarding strategy when we already have for example um you know, thousands of people that work here, hundreds of leaders in place. How do you level set the current group of leaders and our current employee base to start something that only the new ones would be getting as part of their onboarding process? So I guess I didn't realize how long it would take to do what I call level set, making sure that as we roll out a new training Uh, like new hire orientation, for example, before we could introduce it to just our new hires coming in, we had to have a series of classes where everybody in the organization got to go through it. So there were a lot of logistics in the level set and that continues even today. So as we get ready, for example, to introduce our new business leadership series and this risk management module, uh, there's 228 leaders that are going to need to go through that before it can become part of our onboarding process. So um, it can mean uh, a lot of time commitment in just that whole level set. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges. But then I can assure you, once it's in place and it's running smoothly, then it's just you know maintaining the the cadence of. We're gonna offer this quarterly for all the people that were hired from this time to this time, or we're gonna offer it monthly, depending on the topic. It could have a new hire orientation, for example, is a weekly um, offering. Now, if we don't have the minimum number of people uh, for the interaction that's required, we will move those folks to the next uh, offering. That's probably the biggest challenge is the rollout.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge and experience with us. We really do appreciate you taking time out of your day to meet with us today.
2: You. Thank you. Thank
0: you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we can catch you at a line 2019 delivering a um, presentation <laughs> on on your leadership. Um, is that right?
2: Yes. Coaching. We're going to talk about how we're now now that they have the basics, how do we help them become more effective coaches?
0: Awesome. So be sure to catch that if you're going to be at a level. Yeah, it
2: could be leaders as coaches or implementing a coaching culture. I don't know what it's going to, but it's really going to be establishing that our leaders need to be coaches and, and not just managers.
0: Awesome. Thank you again. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Susan Daniel. Here are three takeaways from this week's discussion. First, seek input from your leaders when it comes to changing or building a new culture. Second, Culture is always going to happen, whether it's intentional or by default. Work to make it more intentional. And finally, allow culture to inform all the processes in your workplace, from selection of candidates to onboarding to performance reviews and so forth. This podcast is brought to you by Biz Library, your online learning partner. For more information, visit us online at www.bizlibrary.com slash resources. Every week... We'd like to spotlight one of the free resources BizLibrary offers to help our listeners master the concepts and our key takeaways. This week, check out our free infographic called Creating Goals and Metrics for Training in 10 Steps. You can find a link to this infographic in the show notes or on the BizLibrary website on the resources page.
1: If you'd like to appear on the BizLibrary podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at BizLibrary or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media.
0: Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Derek Smith.
1: And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.